Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year. Managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. Putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year. And me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest. And we'd go up there. And just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom-fitted for a new pair of Tecovis boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the magnificent Monday edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. I'd like to take a moment to open the show to offer our prayers and thoughts and condolences and well wishes and all the good tidings we can muster for all of those impacted by the tornadoes, the Easter Day tornadoes that came through yesterday. It's, it's such an incredible situation. You know, many people are told to stay home, and now they don't have homes to go back to. We need a break from all of this. A lot of stress. A lot of people out there today are really hurt. And you're on our minds. And I know that the, uh, the coming days and weeks will be very challenging and difficult. So I thought it was the best thing for us to do to open the show and and, uh, and share some of that. I know we have uh, a lot of people in my family down around Jones County and Marion County and Jeff Davis County and Lawrence. They were 
several Mississippi counties that were impacted, even up here as close as Knoxville County, that had tornadic activity. And if you've ever been on the other end of that, you understand. Very, 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 very dangerous day. 11 confirmed dead. Major damage in as many as a dozen Mississippi counties. A lot of people went to bed last night at a different place than they woke up that morning. Had a friend of the show, his, uh, his good friend and, and wife there in Jones County. They just finished uh, the final touches on their nursery this weekend for their first child coming in and uh, have lost everything. Lost absolutely everything. They were renting a home, had no insurance. Both vehicles were destroyed. Not much left standing in the house. And just it's one of those things, too, and I hate to sound depressing because I, I am a person that believes that Mississippians are a very resilient bunch. We get punched in the mouth, but we keep standing. But there's a lot of this that happens and it begins to kind of build on each other. You know, it's like, you know, we can't, we can't get out and go socialize with one another the way we'd like. We couldn't celebrate Easter. Many of us unable to go to our places of worship. Many of us unwilling to are unable to go and uh, have Easter dinner with mom and dad. Some people did do that. I won't judge you. And then we have this on top of that. And so it's one of those deals where we just feel like we need to break. We need something good to happen. And hopefully that will happen sooner rather than later. I am an eternal optimist. I believe that we can find a way to overcome these things. I remember when Hurricane Katrina hit, and I know that if you'd listened to the national media, you would never know that the hurricane actually, you know, had landfall on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Not to begrudge anybody in New Orleans or South Louisiana of any of their misery, but you would think that our Mississippi folks that, uh, you know, we, it wasn't that bad, but it was. It was that bad. And a lot of Mississippi folks came together, regardless of socioeconomic background, college affiliation, educational system, whatever. None of that mattered. We just kind of came together. And Mississippians ordinarily have a quiet dignity about ourselves. We just kind of get on with it, rather than whine about it. And I know that'll be the case here, but there are going to be some of our neighbors that are going to struggle for a while. There are some of our neighbors, too, that, uh, you know, they have been laid off or been furloughed or their jobs have been interrupted through the COVID-19 crisis. And so it's going to be even more difficult for them. They're going to need many of us. And so we shared that, and I hate to begin on a somber note, but I think it's important that those people understand they're not alone and that we acknowledge their loss and validate their pain, but also offer them some encouragement to let them know that uh, the best is yet to come. Better days are ahead. I think that's one of the most important things that we can do through all of this is to keep our minds trained on and our eyes focused on the fact that there will be life beyond this, that life must go on, and it will. I want to remind you guys, too, our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company doing a great job, doing a great job with curbside service, and, and you can still get to go service there. You can't have uh, you know, in dining room experience there, the normal great service that goes along with that. However, you can 
have the great restaurant quality hamburger right there from Bulldog Burger Company. Two locations now to serve you. The flagship right here on University Drive in Stark Vegas. And now on Gloucester Street in Tupelo, Mississippi. They're still running their family special. You get four Bulldogs. That's the signature burger. Okay? So you get four Bulldog burgers, four order fries, and a gallon of sweet tea for $29.95. What a great deal. I mean, Mom, that, that's, that is a great night off right there. And you listen, I know many of you are still having to work through this crisis, and, and, and you don't want to have to run to the grocery store, and sometimes it's chaos doing that. This is a way for you to kind of get a reprieve from some of that. Take advantage of the Bulldog Burger Company family feast for Bulldogs, four orders of fries, and a gallon of sweet tea. Everybody will be glad you did that. Bulldog Burger Company, a place in Starkville and now Tupelo where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. The biggest sports story involving Mississippi State right now is about the hiring of Mississippi State's eighth women's basketball coach. That's right, just the eighth women's basketball coach all time. Nikki McCray-Penson. Nikki comes to Mississippi State from Old Dominion University. You guys are very pretty, uh, I guess, pretty educated at this point on who she is. But I want to dig a little deeper into some of this today. Uh, the first thing that I will say, and, and we'll, we'll have hopefully a little more play-by-play -play in the coming days of how the whole thing went down. Jeff Walls from Louisville, in many respects, was considered the home run. You go after the sitting Power 5 coach. You go after the difference maker. You go after the guy right out of the gate. It's a known commodity. Things didn't come to, together in that respect, and he comes out and withdraws his name. And, and part of that is because Mississippi State elected not to offer. Okay, and that's one of those things people say, well, you know, and a job offer comes after everybody's kind of agreed to terms. State and Walls could not agree to terms. They elect to go then with uh, Nikki McCray-Penson. And uh, listen, it wasn't necessarily an easy process. A lot of people said, well, you know, you know, we'll offer and she'll jump on it. Listen, there there was some, I, I won't say heated, but let's say some spirited negotiations before they finally reached the deal. Uh, her and her family come to Starville and, and kind of toured the facilities and tour Starville and then make a decision to become the, the coach here. If you have uh, seen the reaction of your players, they are over the moon excited to have Nikki as the coach. I'm excited to have Nikki as the coach. The more that I have learned about her, and the more opinions that I have read, and the more we have seen such positive comments from who, who's who in women's basketball, uh, I think this is a great hire. And I think when you look at the resume that she has put together, I don't know if there is a more decorated player and coach when you look at the, you know, the longevity of her career, the things that she's been able to accomplish. For those of you that are unaware, Nikki is from Collierville, Tennessee. So not too far up the road here, but also somebody that's grown up in the recruiting footprint, well aware of the Southeastern Conference, played here, coached here, grew up watching games between the ladies and the SEC. Graduated from the University of Tennessee in 1995, married her husband Thomas. They have one son, Thomas Nixon. You notice that's kind of a combination of uh, both names. She began her college coaching career at Western Kentucky as an assistant coach and was then hired by Dawn Staley at South Carolina, one of the first hires that Dawn Staley made, one of the first wheels on the wagon of the Gamecock machine. 
I know there are a lot of Mississippi State fans, not big fans of Don Staley. I am. I am a huge fan of Don Staley because I recognize excellence when I see it. And as I have said on this show many times, I think the biggest compliment that you can pay another competitor to say that I hate losing to them. I hate playing them because there is the possibility of losing. And that's what Don Staley, you know, that's the emotion that she evokes from Mississippi State fans, is that when we have not been what we had hoped to be, it has generally been because Don Staley has been in our way. And so now we've gone out and hired one of her trusted lieutenants. Was at South Carolina from 2008-2017, part of that national championship team. And you remember that South Carolina team had Asia Wilson, you had Ty Harris, but you had, you had three WNBA selections on that team in 17. And then you continue to see what's happened afterwards. I mean, that the, the mechanism that was put in place from a recruiting standpoint was Don Staley and Nikki McCray-Penson. Nikki, a huge part of that recruiting machine. She gets a promotion of sorts when she leaves South Carolina to begin her own head coaching career, taking over at Old Dominion. You guys are aware the first year they win eight games. She wins 23 to second year and then wins Conference USA Coach of the Year in her third year. She was ready to take the next step. And as I shared many times on Gene's page, and Robbie Falk and I, and I give Robbie a tremendous amount of credit. Robbie worked really, really hard at me, had three stories, had the hiring story, had the reaction story, and then a column about the, the important recruiting job begins at home, recruiting the roster. Getting a little deeper in this thing, Nikki's in a Women's Basketball Hall of Fame inducted back in 2012. She's in a National High School Hall of Fame inducted in 2015. Also a member of the Greater Knoxville Sports Hall of Fame inducted in 2014. As I mentioned, she was the 2020 CUSA Coach of the Year. She was also uh, a finalist for the Women's Basketball College Association's Coach of the Year honor. Posted back-to-back 21 seasons something that hadn't been done at Old Dominion since 2006 to 2008. They were 33 in the RPI at the end of the year and received votes in the USA Today coaches poll for the first time since 2008. Went on the road and beat Auburn at Auburn this year. Boasted a defense that ranked number one in the country in three-point throw goals allowed and 15th in scoring defense in 2020. Earned a postseason bid back in 2019, the women's NIT. People say, well, you know, Steve, it's not the tournament. That's true. But that's where Vic started here, too. When she was in South Carolina, she helped coach the Gamecocks in their first ever national championship in 2017. Six consecutive incident with tournament appearances, reaching five, five Sweet 16s, two Final Fours. In that stretch, won four regular season SEC championship titles. That's 14, 15, 16, 17. You might know this, 18, 19, Mississippi State. Three tournament titles for the Gamecocks, 15, 16, 17 when McCray was there, and helped land the number two class in the country and top player in the nation 2014. That's Asia Wilson, just in case you're wondering. Western Kentucky helped guide Western Kentucky to a Sun Belt Tournament Championship. They had back-to-back postseason appearances there in Bowling Green and earned a bid to the 2018 NCAA Tournament and was in the Final Four of the 07 Women's NIT. was a big part of their recruiting efforts, one of the best programs in school history. Best recruiting classes, pardon me. And so you begin to kind of see this as a coach. 
This is a coach that has won everywhere she's been. Some of that goes back to her pedigree of being a University of Tennessee player. And then be a two-time SEC player of the year, 94-95. Only three lady volunteers have ever achieved that feat. She was a Kodak and Naismith All-American All both of those years. Won three SEC regular season titles and two SEC tournament titles. Advanced to the NCAA tournament all four years. She was in Knoxville. Led Tennessee to the national title game in 1995. Was an all-SEC selection. 93-94-95. Also part of some international play. Was a two-time Olympian. Two-time gold medalist. And so this is a... This is a young lady. She's my age, and so she's young, right? She's young. She has come up around winning at every level. A dominant high school player, a dominant college player, and at the time, let's be honest, in the early to mid-90s, there was not a more dominant women's basketball program in the country than Tennessee and Pat Summit. And then UConn kind of rose to prominence, and we had one of the, a great rivalry in women's basketball. Nikki McRae was part of all of that. She leaves then and, and becomes a championship player and a perennial all-star in WNBA. Named a WNBA all-star three times. Nine season, five teams. And was the leading vote-getter for the 2000 all-star game. And she then leaves professional basketball and is part of a championship-winning team at Western Kentucky. Championship-winning team at South Carolina. And then wins Conference USA Honors as part of one of the biggest turnarounds in, in school history at Old Dominion. And so, if you can't go out and get the established commodity from a Power 5 coaching standpoint, I don't know if you could have done any better. I don't know if there is a better resume out there. there are a lot, listen, there are a lot of former players that get you a lot of sizzle. And there are a lot of former players that can't coach. But when you look, when you look at what Nikki has done at every stop, at every stage of her career, there is one, one constant that's winning. That's winning. That's competing for championships. And uh, if you haven't watched her video with John Cohen yesterday when they were doing the teleconference with the team, um, I encourage you to go watch that because she made a point to say, listen, we're here to win a national championship. She didn't come in and say, hey, we're here to play it close or we're, listen, we're here to, you know, to make the SEC tournament final game and lose to South Carolina. She didn't say that we're here just to make the tournament. She said, we are here to win a national championship. I came here, you came here to win a national championship. And that's what she should be saying. And one of the things that's different, I guess, the rhetoric that some other coaches use is that Nikki's done it. She's been a part of a national championship team. She understands what it takes to get to the national championship game. She knows what excellence looks like because she's been around it her entire life. And so if it sounds like I'm fired up, it's because I am. 
you know, when we go out and get transfers, you know, when you bring in Andy Espinosa Hunter, and I still think she was underutilized last year. Don't know all the reasoning behind that, but we brought her in to be a trained assassin. I don't know if we got enough return on our scholarship dollars last year. The year before we did. We need her to kind of move along. And, I, and I'll tell you, one of the things I think has endeared her to Mississippi State fans in the past 24 hours is she's come out and said, hey, it's Hell State for life for me. I think she gets a clean slate. I think Nikki will be able to get some value out of her. And as you guys read and saw yesterday, you got Rakia Jackson, you got Jessica Carter, many others have come out and kind of thrown their support behind the coach. And I think that, more than anything else, settles down the family. Can we make the hire? And now we've heard and seen that the players accept and are excited about the hire. Now I believe we can put this difficult chapter behind us. People say, well, Steve, can Chloe Bibby reconsider? She can. I don't know that I expect her to, but she can. She can withdraw from the portal. I, I'm not expecting that, but it's, it's, it's a possibility. You know, people say, well, you know, once they go in, can they come out? Yes, they can. I don't know, you know, if Nikki's going to recruit her or not. Don't know. Don't have any idea. But I know that getting Rakia Jackson happy and getting Rakia Jackson on board is a big part of things. I know many of you were worried about Texas and about Vic trying to take players from here to Texas. The first thing that I would say, I don't know that that makes a lot of sense because there are a lot of players who don't have a year left to give then they would transfer and have to sit out a year. And listen, I, I understand you know, that, that when you, it's recruiting is about relationships. So you pick a school, it's because you're comfortable with the team, comfortable with the program, comfortable with the coaching staff, comfortable with the, the working arrangement, shall we say. And I just don't know at this point if somebody's willing to just follow a coach. I don't know that that's happened very often. Maybe with some grad transfers, Yes. But there aren't a lot of people that just are willing to kind of sit for a year just to go play for another coach. And there are a lot of players on the Mississippi State team that don't have a year left to give. And so it's interesting. But uh, we go from on Sunday, we learned that Vic Schaefer is gone. And then on Saturday, we've already got a new coach. And so this we, we didn't expect the thing to drag on. It didn't drag on, and the end result, I think, is very good. Now, there are some people that say, you know what, Steve, everything you're saying is great, but until she does it on the court, you know, it's all just speculation, and everybody, that's true. And then the criticism will be, or I guess, I don't know if I want to call it the criticism, but at least, you know, the, the qualifier will be is, okay, well, she did it with Vicks recruits. What will she do with her own? And those are things that remain to be seen. All of those are valid questions. You know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that, listen, that uh, we're going to come in here and pick right up and, and be able to be what we were last year or even build upon that. Don't, I don't know that. You know, I think there is enough talent on this team. There is enough leadership on this team that we're going to be a real challenge in, in the SEC next year. South Carolina takes a little bit of a step back, a little bit. You know, Herbert Harrigan is gone. Ty Harris is gone. Those are two big pieces. South Carolina is a very talented team. They're the standard, and, and some years we're right there with them, and that's the bottom line. It's been state or South Carolina the last several years. They have had the better end of it. But what happens now that we have uh, somebody who spent eight years in the camp of the enemy? What happens then? Then, then what do we know? What do we know about you know 
substitution patterns? What do we know about defensive strategy? Those are things that I think are invaluable. Because we're, we, we didn't come here just to go put together a team and be able to be part of uh, the SEC and just have the bare minimum number of sports. We're putting together a women's basketball team to go win an NFL championship. That, that's the goal now. That's the goal. And I think many of us, including myself, really felt like State would have a chance to win the SEC next year. I still do, despite the fact that we're in transition. I think talent-wise, Mississippi State measures up with anybody in the country. Had some very, very talented young players this year. You know, Matharu, Mingo, Rakia Jackson. You've got a young nucleus that is kind of poised to compete for championships the next couple of years. This could usher in a great era of Mississippi State basketball. And a lot of people would think, you know what, Steve, it'll never be as good as it was under Vic. And you know what? That might be true. But I think when you go out and you get a coach of this caliber with this pedigree that understands what it takes, the chances of continuing where we were and perhaps going beyond that are still very good. I'm excited you should be as well. But again... It's about the press conference right now, which will happen tomorrow. It was scheduled to go today, but due to some of the weather we referenced earlier in the show, press conference is pushed to tomorrow. Eager to hear what she has to say. Eager to see what she's going to do staffing-wise. We've heard, I have been told that there is, there's a staffer on the Vic Schaefer staff. I'm not going to clarify who that is at this point, but I'm told that there is, uh, there is some discussions about that individual staying on here in Starkville. And I'm making a trip to Texas. So we'll see. It's not a done deal. As I mentioned yesterday on Gene's page, I understand there's a good chance. It's not a slam dunk. It's not over. But let's just say there are some discussions that are being, being – and that would be big. That would be big to kind of help you transition, you know, with the players. You have somebody around that can kind of be, you know, a go-between to kind of bridge the language barrier a little bit. You know, because when new coaches come in with new systems and – kind of new terminology, a new way of doing things, there, there's that acclimation period. So to have, to have somebody say, hey, listen, this is what we used to call this. You know, this is what we ran this. So this is, you know, this is, this is the new version of that. It's just, so it'd be nice to have that transition coach on staff. And I, and I don't want to, to get too deep in the woods here because, you know, the staff encompasses a lot of positions, Okay. So it's not Johnny Harris. Okay, go ahead and relax. It's not Johnny Harris. Johnny Harris is going to Texas. But don't be totally surprised if somebody that was here this past year stays in Starkville. Don't, don't be surprised. It's not over with. It's not guaranteed. But don't be surprised if that happens. Let's get into our top ten list. I, this, one comes, uh, this comes from Sean Brown. Sean Brown, the father of Emily Brown. Hit me up on the uh, on the Twitter.com account and said, hey, Steve, what if we did top ten comedians? And so I thought about this. And so uh, we'll probably do another. We'll do a female version of this at a later date because I want to give them their just due. But uh, these are the top ten male comedians in my uh, estimation. Now, before I get started, I want to share this. Number one, I know that this list is going to cause some controversy. I, I'm well aware of that. A lot of people have, uh, you know, strong opinions about this sort of thing. 
And uh, a lot of these comedians kind of rose to prominence in a different day and time. And so before I give you my list, I want to make sure that you understand this. I don't endorse any of these people's politics. And I don't endorse some of their offensive behavior they've had in the past. But we're going to talk comedians here. So I want to make sure you understand that. I don't want somebody to say, hey, well, Steve said this guy was number one, and he once said this and said that. The reality of it is these guys are funny, and they've said some things in years past that were incredibly offensive. And so it's a, it's a slippery slope in many respects. So this is my list. I had four honorable mentions. One of these people I know, many of you would say, this guy deserves to be top five. I don't agree. I find some of his stuff kind of repetitive. But my honorable mentions, and I know some of you are going to laugh when I give this first one, I give an honorable mention to Pauly Shore. I thought that his stuff was incredibly funny. It's not as funny now. When I go back, sometimes when I travel, I go back and listen to stuff in hindsight. It was a lot funnier in the early 90s, not quite as funny now. And again, I'm not basing these guys on their comedic careers as actors in TV or film, but just on their stand-up performance, okay? Because I think the Son-in-Law movie is hilarious. Also, an honorable mention for Stephen Wright. Stephen Wright's great joke of uh, got some powder water, didn't know what to add. You know, snakes don't have arms. That's why they don't wear vests. Also, Steve Martin. Steve Martin, a very talented actor. I did a stand-up that was kind of hit or miss with me. And then Chris Rock. I think Chris Rock is a better. I like Chris Rock as Pookie, but I like him as the uh, stand-up comedian. Chris has been in a lot of movies. I think he's a very funny individual. I don't. Some of his material is interesting to me. Number 10 on the list, going back, the pride of Amy County, Mississippi, Jerry Clower. Jerry never used profanity, never used a lot of sexual innuendo, that kind of stuff. Told the kind of humor you could tell in church and sold a ton of records doing it. Probably the only wholesome guy on this list, to be honest with you. Number nine on my list is Jerry Seinfeld. Like Jerry a lot better as the TV actor than I did as a stand-up comedian. Great writer, for sure. Love Seinfeld, arguably my favorite show of all time. Number eight on the list, Dennis Leary. And there was a time in my life I would have voted Dennis Leary probably number one. The No Cure for Cancer comedy special is hilarious. Uh, this is some things on there, too, that uh, you probably couldn't get away with today. But uh, his uh, he mixes in some rock and roll stuff with uh, the comedy stuff, which makes him funnier. He's done some tremendous things, uh, raising money for uh, for firefighters, too, in um in his neck of the woods. Number seven on my list, and some people would say he's number one of all time. I disagree. Some of his stuff I just didn't get, but he is a legend in the industry. It's Richard Pryor. Uh, I thought I, I did enjoy the movie Brewster's Millions. That was hilarious. I've seen when I was a kid, it was almost like taboo to watch anything Richard Pryor, which made it even more alluring. You know what I'm saying? So they tell you don't watch it, you think I got to watch it. Number six, George Carlin. In many circles, better known as Rufus, the spiritual guide through the uh, circuits of time, Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. But George Carlin, hilarious, and uh, some of his political commentary is right on the mark. Number five, and again, there was a time in my life I could have voted this guy number one, God rest his soul, Sam Kennison. 
A lot of people don't like his obnoxious yelling and that sort of stuff. I, you know, I think it's funny. The uh, Have You Seen Me Lately album is hilarious. And again, there's some things that, you know, on there you couldn't say today. But Sam, uh, great cover of Wild Thing. If you haven't heard it, go check it out. C.C. DeVille plays a guitar solo on that. And I'm not a big C.C. DeVille fan, but I did a good job on that song. Number four on the list, Kevin Hart. I think Kevin Hart is hysterical. And a lot of it's because he's small. You know, like when uh, him and Will Ferrell had the movie, I can't remember the name of the movie, but he was going to jail. And uh, he, Kevin Hart was pretending to be like some hardened criminal and kind of teaching Will Ferrell how to prepare to go to prison. Kevin Hart's been really, really good. Uh, his stand-up stuff is really funny. I, I think he's hilarious. Number three, the legend, Robin Williams. God rest his soul. Guy that struggled a lot with depression. You would have never known it. But uh, also a very serious actor in addition to his comedic roles. But uh, one of the funniest people in stand-up I think I've ever seen. Did a really good job with some of his impersonations, that sort of stuff. He got uh, a lot of role-playing type comedy. He was really, really good. The world misses a guy like Robin Williams at a time like this. Number two, and I almost put him number one. He's had some issues himself. Dave Chappelle. Dave is hilarious. Uh, the Killing Him Softly comedy special was great. He is one of those people that I just, a lot of it's in his delivery. I'm like, if you heard him, it's not quite, it's funny, but it, when you see him do it, it's even funnier. Uh, there's there's so many things that he sa has said and done. He had his show and everything, and he's the guy that really pushed the envelope in comedy. Had some mental issues as well, but he's back. Seems to be doing okay. But number one on the list, in my mind, I think the funniest guy, and at times the most offensive, um, and again, a lot of that stuff today you hear it, it kind of makes you cringe a little bit, was Eddie Murphy. And now he does family movies, which is kind of ironic. It's kind of like, uh, you know, Ice-T was a, uh, a gangster, now he's the, the best cop on SVU. But uh, Eddie Murphy, great movies. I think Distinguished Gentleman was great. But a lot of his stand-up, uh, Raw was the title of that second one. It's, I guess Eddie Murphy, Comedian, and then, and then Raw. And uh, it was raw in every sense of the word. And uh, Eddie has matured a lot since then. But uh, what's interesting to me about Eddie Murphy is just watch the path that his career has taken. He had a lot of issues and uh, you know came back and uh, has done some family-type movies that uh, – that it's, it's incredible. It's almost like when, uh, you know, when these people that uh, went out and did so many things that were uh, kind of against the law have kind of come back. It's just like, you know, Paul Staley, Paul Stanley, pardon me, Paul Stanley uh, tweeting out here recently that uh, when did having, you know, a, a code or a religious code for your life uh, mean less than going to the club? And you're thinking this is, you know, this is a guy that was uh, – considered satanic at some point, talking about religion. It's it's, uh, it's interesting how life has changed. So that's a list. Your list may be different from mine. If you have a suggestion for the top ten list, uh, you can find me on all forms of social media. DMs are always open, and uh, we'll talk about them. Now, you may disagree. Your list will be wrong. But uh, this one was a little more difficult for me because you know, one of the things is I like these guys at different points in my life. Uh, and there are a lot of these people that would be funny even without the edgy type humor, people like Robin Williams and George Carlin especially. I think Dave Chappelle too, but I think part of Dave Chappelle's stick is the fact that he is so in your face about stuff. Um, but I do. I enjoy watching comedy. Uh, I enjoy listening to comedy sometimes when I'm on the road. And so go check it out. We could all use a laugh these days anyway. And as some other people are going to say, Steve, you, I can't believe you didn't mention so-and-so. And so if I've missed somebody, 
send me a message. I'll check them out. Our good friends at Campus Bookmark, longtime sponsors of this show, they're still here to serve you. You can visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. Phrase that pays. That's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. And I talked to Stan, the man, last week. And apparently you guys that are listening are also doing some ordering. He says... They have had a ton of first-time online customers that have checked in with them during the uh, quarantine. So that tells me you're listening, and it tells me that you're paying attention. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. But listen, the treat you're given is to yourself because you're going to get great service in Campus Bookmarks. You're going to get great selection. You're going to get a quality product. These people are Mississippi State people. This is what they do. They look out for me and you. They want Mississippi State products to be in the hands of the Mississippi State family. So go by today, campusbookmart.net, and promo code BSR will save you a few bucks on shipping. All right, so let's get into what we have left. I, earlier today, over on Gene's page, I uh, posted a piece, a Q&A, with Mike Villagrana. Now, you might not be familiar with Mike Villagrana, but Mike is the director of football recruiting for Mississippi State. Mike was hired two years ago by Jim Moorhead. He was brought in to kind of, you know, head up the recruiting team. And what I mean by that is, is you know, he's the guy that kind of leads the pack, kind of gets everybody organized. Okay, here's what we're going to do, and get this guy working on receivers, and this guy's working on this, and it would, he's a go-between, meets with the coaches to find out what they're looking for. And so Mike kind of explained some of that too. But Mike also kind of shared some time and and told me about these virtual junior days that they're considering. They're in the process of getting these things together. Of course, everything has to be approved because we're in a different day and time. But recruits have missed the opportunity to attend junior days. There's only been a handful of them around the SEC. Mike Leach and his staff does it a little bit differently rather than have some big junior day where you have 400 kids come in. Uh, and that's really all about ego. You, 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 can't, you can't do a good job with that many kids. You just can't. I mean, you can't even feed that many kids, right? But uh, they're a little more selective in how they do it. But uh, the, the bottom line is, is without the benefit of spring practice and with the prohibition on face-to-face uh, -face recruiting on or off campus, Mississippi State and others are missing the opportunity to sell Mississippi State. And so what they're talking about doing, they've had conference calls and meetings, and, of course, they're having to appeal to the NCAA and the SEC and that sort of stuff. And they want to make sure that if they do a web conference, that that counts as a phone call. And so they're going to use that conference. Let's say, for an example, the kid calls in, you know, it's say 1.30 today. And then he would have the opportunity to, to speak with, uh, you know, somebody like Bill Agrana or, or, you know, some of those uh, football staffers that say, hey, listen, hey, we can get you in. And, and as soon as you get done here, you know, we're going to get you over to Jay Perry. And Jay is going to explain kind of what Mississippi State's doing and, uh, about player personnel, about player development, that sort of stuff. And then you go from, from Jay to somebody in academics, and they kind of explain, you know, here's the fields of study we have, what are you looking to major in, and answer questions about all that, and then have to let them be able to watch a little film with their position coach and uh, go through all of that and have the opportunity to kind of see Mississippi State and even have the opportunity to see some, some features around the building, that sort of stuff. But the bottom line is it's about giving those guys an opportunity to have more of an organized and structured program 
to give them a chance to know the people of Mississippi State. Because if you had a junior day event, that's what would happen. You'd bring those guys in. They'd be greeted by you know a host of you know staffers ringing cowbells and making sure everybody got registered and uh, got their name plate and that sort of stuff, their name tags, and they got ready to move around. And then you would have the, all the highlight videos and things like that. Somebody would sell Mississippi State and talk about our history and talk about our program. And then you would get the opportunity to meet with your position coach and and uh, you know kind of put uh, a face with the, the name. Well, these players have been denied that opportunity. It is a much different day and time. And so, and as Mike says, the recruits of the day are kind of shorted. You know, where their peers, the guys that came before them, have had a chance to take these junior day visits and go to spring games and come watch the team practice in the spring. And now there's the possibility and probability that summer camps are going to be nixed. And so now, from the player standpoint, how do I sell myself to Mississippi State? And if you're Mississippi State, how do I sell Mississippi State to these kids? How do I get them engaged with us? How do I build a relationship with them? Because if they had been on our campus and had a chance to kind of get a vibe for what we have going on here, they kind of leave here with a better understanding of what Mississippi State is all about. You know, I'm a firm believer, and just like when Dan Mullen was here, people said, you know what, if we can ever get them to campus, if we can ever get them here, we've got a really good chance of getting them because of the fact that we know what a magical place Mississippi State is, and it's not for everybody. I get it. Not everybody wants the small college town atmosphere. There are a lot of kids that want to go to, you know, want to go to Seattle or go to Atlanta, you know, or go to Nashville. They want to go somewhere, but there's a lot of nightlife and activity and concerts that come every weekend. I get it. But if you get them here, and you can show them and introduce them to the people of Mississippi State. That's the one thing ever since I've been covering recruiting all the way back to the infancy to Sylvester Croom days. Is everybody, when you say, hey, what's the, what stood out to most of you about Mississippi State? Well, the people, the people, the people. There's only so much you can learn about us with a, with a Twitter graphic. There's only so much you can learn about us, you know, texting back and forth with a coach. But when you come here and you see how genuine everybody is and how much everybody loves Mississippi State and how everybody bleeds for the Bulldogs, you realize, you know what, this is somewhere I think I might want to be a part of. And so we're handicapped in our efforts right now at Mississippi State, along with everybody else. But we don't, listen, Alabama's name carries a lot of weight. That's the University of Alabama. LSU the defending national champions, when they say, hey, LSU wants this in-state kid, nine times out of ten, they're going to get that in-state kid. You know, Ole Miss had just had a handful of spring practices when this thing broke. You know, so they, they might have a little bit of an advantage because they've had a little more time to host guys on campus, but not much. But State and Ole Miss, by and large, split the in-state talent. There are some years, like 15, where State dominated the, in, the in-state talent. You know, it's Jamal Peters and Leo Lewis and uh, Mark McLaurin. Eventually, you get Jonathan Abram. You go back and look at that 2015 class. I mean, State absolutely destroyed Ole Miss in-state recruiting that year, as well they should. But you're having to really differentiate yourselves. And so the hope is this virtual junior day thing, and uh, assuming this is permissible, and it should be, and at this point, I don't know that – Anything that is done to restrict the uh, the education of the student athlete should be prohibited. I think you've got to let those kids. There has to be a little more grace with all this right now, and give them the opportunity to learn as much about the schools as they possibly can. Because it's not just about the schools; it's everything that's put in place 
should be for the benefit of the student-athlete. And so hopefully this thing passes, and uh, this will begin sooner rather than later. And it's something that we'll be monitoring and kind of keeping you guys you know, up to date on over on Gene's page. It is a great idea, and it's a way to use technology. And it's really the only way we have right now to sell ourselves to prospects. The other side of that coin, and this is something that Mike didn't touch on, but it's one of the things that I have thought about extensively, is when you don't have as many of the, the, the combines, you don't have the Nike opening, you don't have objective third-party testing numbers to depend on, you don't have the spring evaluation period. Now you're not going to have summer camps. So the chance to collect data, I mean, true, verifiable, objective data is very difficult to come by now. And so there are a lot of guys out there that you say, you know what? We might take a chance on this kid after we saw him in camp. Or we get him to campus and we have a chance to eyeball him and say, you know what? He really is 6'2", 200 pounds. Well, there's a lot of unknowns about kids. I will tell you right now. This is going to be one of those years in a recruiting cycle where you're going to see some misses. You're going to see some schools have to take a stab at some kids early to get in the game. Because let's just say for an example, the longer this thing goes, it's like playing poker. You know, How long can you play your cards close to the best? Because there's going to be a lot of kids out there. You say, you know what, we love this kid, we like that kid, but we haven't seen him play. Is he really, is he really a 4-4 guy? Or is he a four, five and a half guy? Is he really a guy that can elevate? Is he really a guy that is, is as big as he looks on film? You haven't been able to verify a lot of this. And the due diligence process has really kind of been arrested. There are going to be schools that panic and take commitments from kids early because they've got to make sure they get somebody. Because the longer Alabama and LSU and Georgia wait on kids, the longer this process is going to be. And the more anxiety there's going to be. Because then all of a sudden, Mississippi State may go get a kid out of Alabama and take a chance. And all of a sudden, Alabama sees him play this fall in person and say, hey, you know, we want that kid. Well, then they take him and you got to go down and maybe you got to go take a kid from Kentucky or take a kid from, you know, Arkansas or Southern Miss or whatever. You know, and so there's, there's going to be a lot of, I believe, a lot of decommitments and flips in this recruiting cycle. And I think four years from now, we're going to look back and say, you know what, that coronavirus deal really, really, really impacted some of these classes. I think there are going to be a lot of bust in these classes because I think there's not going to be enough time to get a proper evaluation. And I honestly think the NCAA has to look at that and amend the recruiting calendar this year. They're going to have to allow, I believe, they're going to have to allow some staffers to get on the road sooner rather than later because this fall, our coaches are going to be in the middle of having to recruit and coach a football team. They're going to have to go out and do fall evaluations and coach a football game. And so there's going to be a lot of those things that go on. There have to be some changes, I believe, at least temporarily. I want to remind you guys, too, we've had uh, – you know, a couple books come out. You can visit StarkVillainsTheBook.com and get a copy of Flim Flam and Stark Villains. Currently working on a sequel to Stark Villains right now. Looking forward to you guys having that. We're going to work really hard in this spring and summer to get that out to you this fall. I would be remiss if I got out here today without talking about the progress made on two of my friends who were suffering from the coronavirus. Jody Dimling is a guy that I have known for several years now. Uh, Jody covers Louisville. 
Jody has been anytime that I have had questions about Louisville, anytime that I've had questions about when Terrell Buckley was leaving there, uh, you know, when Alan Love was leaving there, this is a guy that was always the guy that I reached out to. Well, Jody, uh, about 10 days ago, was admitted to the hospital and put on a ventilator, and uh, a lot of people were worried that he may not make it. I sent Jody a text during all of that, knowing he wouldn't respond. But it was what I felt that I could do to offer him some good tidings and good vibes and let him know that I was thinking about him. I'm happy to say that I got a text from Jody yesterday. Jody is recovering. Jody is off the ventilator. Jody got up and walked some yesterday. Jody's coming back. Jody works for uh, 247, covering Louisville for us, and uh, is a great person, and he is expected to make a full recovery. Still a long way to go, but he is in a much better position than he was in 10 days ago. Our friend Dave Johnson that covers Ole Miss for the Ole Miss spirit, a guy that we've talked about on this show many times, Dave is also making some progress. Now, he is not at the level Jody is, but I don't know that Jody sank quite as deep as Dave did. Dave was there. We, we, t- we told us about a week and a half ago, Dave, we had about a 5% chance of living. This past weekend, I'm happy to report, Dave was able to uh, squeeze the nurse's hands on command, move his toes on command, and uh, they're beginning to bring him back and wean him off the ventilator. Still a long way to go. He's still very, very sick. But this is a guy that's come back from death's door and is now responding some to his family, responding some to the medical staff. Dave has been through an absolute war, and uh, I have been so encouraged. see so many Mississippi State and so they're Miss fans and Ole Miss fans all uniting together in support of David. There is a lesson to be learned in all of that for all of us. Because at this point, it's not about a rivalry. It's not about, you know, a trophy or anything like that. This is our fellow man. This is a guy that we know. This is a friend of mine. This is a guy that I believe does his best to do things the right way. Are we ever always going to agree? Absolutely not. But I'm so encouraged by what I've heard about David's recovery here in the last uh, few days. And to be honest with you, I mean, you know, listen, I don't have the connection with him that many others do, but I was kind of preparing for the absolute worst. And you begin to think about, you know, his three children and his wife, who also tested positive for coronavirus. You begin to think about that family and what they're enduring. And it makes you just want to take a deep breath and say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, God, that I have the ability to get up every day and take a full breath without pain. And thank you that I'm not having to deal with this. And thank you for the opportunity to be with my family each and every day. Because I know that's what David would want. I know David would give anything to be with his family. I look forward to a day when Dave can tell us a little bit about all this, when he's recovered and it's back to full strength, and maybe a year or two down the road he can say, you know what, here's what really happened. you know. And uh, yeah, there's some things, of course, that he won't remember. There's some things that he, he will probably be able to share some stories that none of us will ever experience. But I believe, and I'm going to go ahead and claim a victory for David and his family. I, 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 am, I feel very confident that Dave is going to come back from this and, uh, and going to be a very healthy and happy contributing member of society in our network. And, uh, and I'm looking forward to that, um, that day with great anticipation. There are many of you out there that I know that are dealing with something similar. And again, let me tell you this, you know, listen to medical professionals. Don't get on, don't listen to the Facebook experts. That's one thing that I've learned about life and especially with social media is there are some people out there that believe that they're an expert on every single thing. 
I am not one of those. I don't know what to trust when it comes to the medical community, so I listen to the medical professionals. I listen to the doctors and the nurses and people like that. And I don't, I don't mean these pretend people on Facebook. It's, well, you know, so-and-so works at the hospital, and a friend of mine got this from an ER nurse, and it's, it's not any of that, and it's true. You know, it's always, it's always second, third hand. It's, it's always somebody else. It's just kind of like, hey, it was on Channel 16. If you post this, Facebook can't take your picture, such a permission or whatever, you know. Um, the bottom line is I'm a firm believer in listening to the experts because there are some people out there that are self-proclaimed experts. They're, they were, they're an expert on uh, coaching. They're an expert on anything that comes along. Whatever crisis that comes along, they are somehow an expert on it. And uh, I just choose not to listen to those folks. I, I just I don't want to give them audience. And there are some people, too, that are just unbelievable worriers. They worried at length that uh, Ole Miss was going to steal all our football players last year when they hired Lane Kippen, didn't get a single one of them. You know, then they then they worried when we made the coaching change. These guys would ask out of their letter of intent and go to Ole Miss. They didn't. You know, people worried that Ole Miss was going to beat us in baseball last year. I mean, it's like, you know, it, it, whatever there is to worry about, they'll find a way to worry it. And then once we get those things done, they'll find something else to worry about. And if there's not anything worth worrying about, they'll create something. So let me just be a voice of reason here and voice of positivity. We're going to make it. We're, we're going to make it. And I can't promise you that life will ever be the same again. But we're going to have a new life. Because what we're doing now, to be honest with you, I have my ups and downs, too. And there are some days I ask myself, is this really living? Well, it certainly beats the alternative. But I believe there is a greater and more abundant life out there ahead for us if we just remain diligent in our efforts, continue social distancing, listening to the medical experts, and doing one day at a time, trying to get the most out of each and every day. Not worrying about tomorrow, but looking forward to tomorrow. But more importantly, getting as much value as we can get out of today. Letting all those people around us that we love, let them know that we love them. Get something productive done. Reach out, mend defense, something like that. As yesterday has taught us, we are not in control. We can't push the pause button on this virus. We can't call a timeout in the middle of a tornado. We're all on this planet. We're all along for the same ride. Some of us are going to have a more difficult time than others. It's, this is the reality of life. But let's take some time today to be positive people and be the most positive person in our circle of influence and let the people around us know how much we care about them and wish them the absolute best. That's going to do it for today. Be back on Wednesday. You never know what we're going to be able to talk about then. Go ahead and send me your options and your, uh, your best top ten suggestions, and maybe I'll choose yours. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends and enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.